Well, if I haven't met you, I'm Nathan. Um, I'm the ministry intern here at SALT. Um, and it's my privilege to bring God's Word this evening. Um, before I do that, I'm going to pray for us. Um, we acknowledge that we need God's help to understand His Word um, as Christians. So I'm going to pray for God's help now um, as we open His Word and hear what it has to say to us. So, would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the way that it teaches us uh, about ourselves and about You and who You are. Um, Lord, we, pray, we praise you for Jesus and who he is and pray that uh, tonight his name may be lifted up and glorified. Um, Lord, help us to be small and him to be big as we come to hear from you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you would have heard, we start our new series in Philippians today. Um, a new thing's always good. We've just had a term of exodus. Um, it's been heavy and hard-hitting, um, but it's been wonderful to work through that book. And now we start a new book, and that is Philippians. Hopefully you've had a chance to read it this week. It's only four chapters. Um, if you haven't, I encourage you to give it a quick read. Um, it's a wonderful book. And we're going to be working through it uh, all term um, over the next nine weeks. So Exodus was 40 chapters, and we did that in 11 weeks. Um, Philippians, four chapters, and we've got nine weeks to think about it. So... Even if you haven't read it, we'll have plenty of time to have a think about it together. Um, and it's going to be good to meditate on this letter. It's a wonderful letter um, from Paul to the church in Philippi. And before I started getting into our passage today, I wanted to just step back and take a bit of a look at the background of this letter uh, to understand it a little bit more. Hopefully there's a map that's going to pop up on the screen. Look at that. Um, so Philippi, if you can see the small little blue circle up in the top corner. You'll see Philippi there. So in Acts 16, we get the account of Paul's second missionary journey. And you can see the arrow that starts down in Judea, in Jerusalem, heads up through Asia, up to Troas, and then eventually to Philippi. And in Acts 16, we read that while Paul is in Troas, he has a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come to Macedonia to help us. See, Paul has never gone as far up into what is today southern Europe. So he hears the call from God and he heads over across the little, what is that, the Aegean Sea? Is that how you pronounce it? Aegean. Aegean, great. He heads across and he lands over in Philippi. And we see all of this in Acts 16. We see in Philippi, there's the conversion of Lydia. You might know the story. There's also the story of Paul and Silas who end up in prison. And famously, there's an earthquake that destroys the prison. And Paul and Silas could escape, but they don't. And the jailer believes because of this. And I encourage you, if you want to get a bit more background of the Philippian uh, letter that we have today, you can read Acts 16 and read all about Paul's journey there. He will visit the Philippian church again later to encourage them later on in Acts. And obviously he kept in contact with this church because he wrote them a letter. And that's the letter that we have in front of us today, the letter to the Philippian church. But why is he writing this letter to the Philippians? I think we get a bit of insight into this uh, in the letter itself. You can have a look there with me. Um, we get hints to why Paul is writing a letter to this church in particular. In chapter 2, verse 25, we le learn that the Philippian church have sent to Paul a representative called Epaphroditus. And then in chapter 4, verse 18, if you look there with me, we read this. This is Paul speaking. He says, I have received full payment... And have more than enough 
I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent me. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So the Philippians have sent this man, Epaphroditus, to visit Paul, and they haven't sent him empty-handed. They've sent him with a gift of money to support Paul. And why are they supporting Paul? Well, it would seem that Paul is in prison at this time when he writes this letter. As Paul often does, he's been preaching the gospel when in Rome you shouldn't be doing that, and he ends up locked up in jail. And most people think that he's probably in jail in Rome at this time. It's about 1,300 k's away from Philippi. So this man, Epaphroditus, has traveled all this way to come visit Paul and to support him. But why do I tell you all of this background to the letter? Well, I think it's important to remember that this letter is a letter to real people in a real place as part of a real church. This isn't a theological essay that Paul has chosen to write. No, this is an intimate letter that Paul has written to a church that he loves, a church that he was a part of starting. And I think that helps us a little bit as we start to think about this letter, as we study it this term. It's going to help us think about what this letter is about. See, I think this letter ultimately is about a relationship. A relationship between Paul and the Philippian church. But this just isn't any relationship. No, Paul's relationship with the Philippian church is a gospel relationship. The relationship that Paul has with this church in Philippi is centered on Jesus and his saving gospel. And we see all throughout the letter language of partnership and unity between Paul and the Philippians and ultimately how they are united to Christ and they are united by Christ and what he has done through his saving gospel. This is a letter about God's people who are united in Jesus. So today, as we're mostly a room full of God's people united in Jesus, I think we'll have a lot to learn from Philippians this term. I think we're in for a real treat as we look at this book over the next nine weeks and we dive in to see what Paul's letter to the Philippians teaches us today as followers of Jesus. So we're going to dive into this letter and we begin in chapter 1. In verse 1, uh, we heard this section read earlier. That's what we'll be looking at today, 1 to 11. Hopefully, if you have a handout there, it'll help orient you a little bit to where we're going today. Right off the bat, we see that this gospel relationship that Paul has with the Philippians is a wonderful gospel relationship. It's a relationship that's obviously been going for a while. There's lots of love and affection from Paul in this opening part, which is kind of the opening to the letter, the welcome, the hello from Paul to the Philippians, the encouragement to them. And as we look at this section, I think we're going to learn about what makes this relationship Paul has with the Philippians so special. And more broadly, I think we're going to think about what makes all gospel relationships so special. There's something special about a relationship that is formed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think we're going to see three main reasons why the gospel, this gospel relationship is special and all gospel relationships are special. You'll see them on your outline. I think the, the gospel relationships that Paul has and that we can ultimately have are special because they're grounded in Christ. They are part of something bigger and they're growing for glory. 
And again, you should see those in your outlines there. So let's jump into our passage today, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, and see first how God's, uh, Paul's relationship with the Philippians is grounded in Christ. If you read along with me from verse 1, we see Paul starts his letter by saying, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it can be easy for us to skip over this as a quick introduction from Paul. Great, he's said hello, now let's get into the good stuff. But I think we should stop here and just notice a few things about what Paul says. I want us to first notice how Paul refers to himself and Timothy. He refers to himself and Timothy as servants of Christ. From the very beginning, Paul is grounding who he is, his identity, Timothy's identity. He's grounding that in Jesus. Paul doesn't write this letter and say, Hey Philippians, Paul and Timothy here, you're really good friends. No, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus. Paul's gospel relationship with the Philippians is grounded in Christ. It's grounded in who he is in Christ as a servant of Jesus. And we see the same thing as Paul addresses the Philippians. He doesn't say, hey, Philippians, my good mates over there in Philippi. No, he says, Philippians, God's holy people in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul is grounding who he is, who the Philippians are, fully in who Christ is here as he starts his letter. And he keeps going on in this trend as he gives his final greeting. It's not a hello, blessings from me and Timothy. No, it's a grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's welcome doesn't come from him. He doesn't identify himself as the Philippians' friend or the Philippians as his friend. No, he identifies himself as a follower of Jesus. The Philippians as God's holy people and gives a blessing and a welcome from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is important for us to notice today. I think it's easy for our relationships to be grounded on something other than Jesus often. Maybe it might be where we work, what we get up to on the weekend, who we hang out with, even who's in our family. Don't get me wrong, these are all great things to form relationships over. But at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus is who we are in Jesus. As we meet up with people throughout the week, often our first thing to do is say, how was work? Or how good was the surf the other weekend? We base our relationships on these things that are important in and of themselves. But as we all sit here in this room right now, we're all here because of who Jesus is ultimately. The relationship that we share with one another in this room is not because of what we do on the weekends. It's not because of the work that we do. It's because of who Jesus is. And I think that's what Paul is establishing here as he starts his letter. Gospel relationships are special because they're grounded in who Jesus is. They're grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing I wanted us to notice. The second is in verses 3 to 8, I think we see that gospel relationships are also special because they're part of something bigger. In verse 3, we get this wonderful picture of how Paul loves the Philippians. If you read there with me in verse 3 and 4, 
He says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. What a lovely picture that is. Every time the Philippians just come to Paul's mind, he thanks God for them. It's a beautiful picture of Paul's love of this church. And why is he so thankful for them? Why does it fill him with such joy? Well, in verse 5 we read, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The Philippians are Paul's partners in the gospel. We've already seen that because they've sent Epaphroditus to him from 1,300 k's away to support him with money, to visit him, to check up on him. But it's more than that. Paul and the Philippians are on the same team. They're on the same gospel team. They're doing the same gospel work even though they're miles apart. They have a shared vision that bonds them together. And we all know this, don't we? Workplaces often will do something together to, to create unity in a team. You'll do something in an escape room, something that might put you out of your comfort zone, and it makes you feel more connected to the people that you might be working with. I experienced this wonderfully just yesterday. So yesterday, Katie and I and a bunch of our friends were in Armadale, and we were there for a walk for brain cancer. One of my best mates, Cam, his dad is suffering from brain cancer. And the whole town, it felt like the whole town of Armadale turned out. There was hundreds of people there, all for the same purpose. They were there to try to help find a cure for this terrible disease. And there was such a wonderful sense of unity at that place. Most of the people I didn't even know from a bar of soap. But we're all there for the same reason. And if that was a wonderful cause, which it really was, for Paul and Timothy, their cause is even greater. Paul and Timothy are walking, I'm oh, sorry, Paul and the Philippians are walking in partnership with the greatest cause of all. They have the saving news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they're walking in partnership together as partners in the gospel. That's what brings Paul such joy and thankfulness to God when he remembers this church. Because they partner in the same thing that he's all about. That's Jesus. And this is causing Paul to have confidence in who the Philippians are and what Jesus will do for them. In verse 6 we read, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul can work, walk with confidence with the Philippians as partners in the gospel because Jesus is going to complete his mission. Jesus is promised to, start what he, uh, to finish what he started with the Philippian church, to finish what he started with Paul. And it's the same promise that we have, the same confidence that we can have today. As we are partners in the gospel in this room, as we have gospel relationships with one another, we can be confident that it's Jesus who is going to do his work with us. It's not us. Paul's not confident in the Philippians' ability or his ability. No, he's confident in Christ. And this truth shapes Paul's heart as he talks about the Philippians. You'll see in verses 7 and 8 that Paul shares the heart that he has for the Philippians. He says, it's right for him to feel this way 
because he has the Philippians in his heart. And then down at the bottom, he shares the same affection of Christ for these people. See, our hearts ought to be shaped to be loving and affectionate towards one another because of the partnership that we share in Jesus and the confidence that we have in him and the saving work of his gospel. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're ultimately part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of the saving work that Jesus is doing in and through the world. So can I encourage you to let that shape your hearts? Can I encourage you to feel confident in what Jesus is doing as you partner with one another and partner with Jesus as he achieves his goals as he always promised? So gospel relationships, they're special because they're grounded in Christ. They're special because they're part of the big picture of God saving gospel through Jesus Christ. And lastly, I think we see that the gospel relationship Paul has with the Philippians and gospel relationships in a whole are special because they grow for God's glory. In verse Paul, in verse 9, Paul shares his prayer for the Philippian church. And he prays that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Notice how Paul emphasizes growth here. He wants their knowledge and their love to abound, to be more and more. Obviously, they're in a good relationship already, and Paul is wonderfully pleased with the Philippians, but he wants them to grow more, to abound more in love. And this is all so that God can be glorified. From verse 10, we read Paul says this. He wants their love to abound and their knowledge and depth of insight to grow so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's introduction to his letter ends the same way it started. He gives all the glory to Jesus and to God. Paul's relationship with the Philippians is clearly, it clearly has Jesus right at the center of it. And this relationship is one that grows and grows. And what's it growing in? Well, it's love, knowledge, insight, discernment, purity and righteousness. When you're part of the gospel, when you're part of gospel relationships, you're part of something that is to grow. Now, I think Paul's prayer for the Philippians here should also be our prayer for one another. We too want to grow in the gospel, to grow in love, knowledge, insight, discernment, purity and righteousness. And but while we want to grow in this, we should pray for others to grow in that too. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, our call is not to, to just remain followers of Jesus, to hold on as tightly as we can and just stay as best we can as followers of Jesus. No, the call is always to grow, to be growing in our faith, to help others to grow. But the truth is, this feels really hard sometimes. Following Jesus isn't always the easiest thing. Sometimes you're sitting there feeling like, I just don't feel like I'm growing at all. But whilst the journey is hard, it's always a good journey. 
And the best part about this journey is that nobody walks it alone. If you're a follower of Jesus, you walk with Jesus as he grows you. And wonderfully, God has surrounded us with people to encourage us along the way. He has given us wonderful gospel relationships. Many of you have them sitting next to you here in this room. People that God surrounds with you to encourage you, to build you up, to grow. So gospel relationships are special. They're special because they're grounded in Christ. They're special because they're part of something bigger than ourselves. And they're special because they're growing for God's glory. They're a wonderful thing. And we see that as Paul shares his gospel relationship with the Philippians here at the start of the letter. And we're going to see it all throughout this term. So as we close, I want to ask you a simple question. How are your gospel relationships going? In this room, we're surrounded by partners in the gospel. We're surrounded by people who are on our team for Jesus. We're part of the same team and we share in the wonders and the love of God. So as we think about how we relate to one another, how we care and love for one another, let's ground our relationships in Jesus. Let's realize that what unites us in the end is who Jesus is. By all means, have you guys that you surf with, have the people that you work with, that's great. But at the end of the day, the thing that binds us together as followers of Jesus is not what we do, it's who we are. It's who we are as servants of Jesus, it's who we are as God's holy people, blessed by him. So let's remember that as we relate to one another, as we share with one another, Talk about what Jesus is doing in your life. Don't just talk about the surf. Don't just talk about work. Share how your relationship is going with Jesus to encourage others. And as we do that, remember that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. I think we can get small-minded at times as people. But here we have a reminder that we are partners in the gospel. This gospel that is so much bigger than us. This gospel that has been achieved by the one and only God who came to this earth to achieve it for us. And this truth should just fill us with joy and thankfulness as it did for Paul. It should shape our hearts to be able to be loving more, to be confident in what Jesus is doing and knowing that he's going to complete his work in us and in other people. So don't lose focus. Don't lose focus and think that all that you're doing is small and in, in, not inconsiderate. That was the wrong word, Nathan. Unimportant. Let's go with that. You're part of something bigger if you're a follower of Jesus. You have people around you who are part of that same thing. Everyone in this room is part of that in some way. So let's remember that we, something, something bigger than ourselves is going on. And let it humble us. Let, us. let it lead us to love more. Let it lead us to be confident that it's not up to us. It's up to Jesus. And finally, let's encourage one another to grow in our faith. We've already seen that gospel relationships are all about growing for God's glory. We're about to have a great opportunity to do that over supper, a chance to chat to one another, see how you're going, encourage one another. Before we do that, though, I'm going to invite the musicians up. We're going to sing our last song. 
And this is a wonderful song about the Saviour who is at the centre of all of our relationships. So I invite you to stand and I invite you to turn your hearts to worship Jesus right now. The Jesus who lies at the centre of each and every one of our relationships. The Jesus who died for all of us.